Coming up on this week's edition of Stat Pack, we take a look at the first quarter of the season and tell you what things stand out so far in terms of the Mathletics. And a showdown Sunday coming up. We break down the top six matchups the only way we can with the cold hard football facts. All this and more on Stat Pack. Welcome to this week's edition of Stat Pack, providing you with a six-pack of subjects featuring the cold, hard football facts and the stats that truly matter. Here's your host, Adam Dobrowolski. Hey there, Pigskins fans, and welcome to the government shutdown edition of Stat Pack. Of course, we're just kidding because, well, we actually work here at Cold Hard Football Facts. In fact, we're working so hard, we're giving you the stats that matter to help you pick the winners. So all you got to do to figure out how to become rich by winning all those fantastic props, spreads, and so much more is you become an insider, the powerful NFL picks, stats, and analysis available for just $99 for the season. And if you want to test it out for a week, it's just $9.95. And what better week than to get the cold hard football facts insider than this upcoming week? Five 4 0 teams to the first quarter of the season, all five of them on the road against teams with a 500 record or better. And if not for the disappointing Cincinnati Bengals and Dallas Cowboys, it could have been five matchups, 4-0 at 3-1. Cincinnati losing at Cleveland, Dallas losing at San Diego. Many people picked those teams to win, and I'm kind of just thinking, man, just if only those two games could have happened, we could have had maybe the most epic Week 5 ever in NFL history. But still, we have those five big matchups and much more to talk about. So let's get to business as we begin things off in our six-pack of topics with the Mathletics from Week 4. Find out what stats and trends you can buy or sell as we delve into this week's Mathletics. For this week in Mathletics, we take a look at the first quarter of the season and talk about six of the things that stand out the most. And obviously, the headline... The Denver Broncos and what Peyton Manning is doing. It's absolutely unbelievable to think through four games, 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. And as it's first been told here on Cold Hard Football Facts, that ties Milt Plum from the 1960 Cleveland Browns for the most consecutive touchdowns to start the season without an interception. Milt Plum back in the 60s began the year 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions for a Browns team that was absolutely rolling. In fact, uh, they had one of the best offensive starts in NFL history. You look at these Broncos from 2013, they did uh, surpass the 60 Browns in terms of points through the first four games of the season. Uh, But this 1960 Browns team led by Milt Plum put together one of the best performances ever through the air. It's surprising to see that the Browns, a little bit of tough luck, didn't even make it to the NFL championship game. But Plum, back in 1960 of all years, put up a passer rating of 110.4. 21 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Could we see a modern-day version 
of Milt Plum could Peyton Manning finish off the season with a passer rating above 130? Well, we don't know, but Manning has the best passer rating through four games at 138. That surpassed Kurt Warner from 1999, who was at 136. And Warner had the element of surprise on his side at the beginning of that season, his first year leading the greatest show on turf. This is Manning going up against defense. I know exactly what he's going to do, but he still meticulously rips them apart. And really, when you think about it, the Denver Broncos became just the third team in NFL history to score at least 160 points through four games. The first two teams, the 1966 Dallas Cowboys, who lost in the NFL championship game at home to the Green Bay Packers, and the 2002 Oakland Raiders, who lost in the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers. So both of those teams were knocking on the door of championships and Hmm, think about it here. The Denver Broncos look like they might be an AFC favorite. Seattle out in the NFC. Seattle has that really tough defense. Whether the Packers and the Buccaneers had their respective years, they took down the Dallas Cowboys and Oakland Raiders. Well, great defenses. So we'll, of course, put that on hold, but the fantastic job the Denver Broncos are doing uh, with this efficiency. You look at some of the company that Manning is with, obviously it's going to regress. He's not going to throw for, 40, uh, for 64 touchdowns and zero interceptions. He's going to have an interception somewhere along the way, and he's going to have a game with a low amount of touchdowns. But despite the regression to the mean that is bound to happen, he's in good company to put together at the least a 45-touchdown season as long as he stays healthy, and at the least a passer rating above 100. And think about this. Uh, this was something that you need to stew on. There's been no team in NFL history to put up a passer rating of 100 or better and then improve the following season. Well, the Denver Broncos last season put up a passer rating greater than 100 as it was at 105.3. This year, they could surpass that and Obviously, with the way Peyton Manning is playing, and you put in a few attempts from Brock Osweiler, three attempts, their team pass rating at 136.8. They could be the first uh, to break the regression. And really, you, you think it had to happen eventually with the way the offenses are going. Maybe the Broncos keep this role going. But that 1960s Browns team, I... I I, I want to go back to them just for a second here because it wasn't just Milt Plum who was doing a fantastic job helping out that Browns offense. Of course, you had Jim Brown on the ground, but how about defensively for the Browns? A team defensive pass rating of 51.7. How on earth were they only 8-3-1 and and didn't even make it into the NFC Championship game? Remember that year, the Philadelphia Eagles gave Vince Lombardi his only playoff loss. The Eagles were a 10-2. The reason being, for the Browns who actually led the league in point differential, their losses were to the Eagles at home by two points after beating the Eagles on the road 41-24 to begin the season. A four-point home loss to the New York Giants, 17-13, a tie to the St. Louis Cardinals, and a four-point loss at Pittsburgh, 14-10. The Browns just couldn't get those close games in their favor, and sometimes... That's just the way it goes. 
you end up losing the close games. You end up blowing out teams. Otherwise, when you win, we'll see what happens for the Broncos moving forward. But we got to continue on here. Number two on our board of mathletics here of things that really stood out through the first four weeks. How about the Tennessee Titans not committing a single turnover and route to their 3-1 start? They became only the second team in NFL history without a giveaway through four games. The only other team, the 1995 St. Louis Rams. They were fresh off a move from Los Angeles, and they were able to get a great start, 4-0, not committing a single turnover. In fact, they were able to force 14 turnovers along the way. So that plus 14 turnover margin through four games would eventually die down. They went negative 17 in the following 12, and uncoincidentally, went 3-9 and nine to close out the year 7-9. and nine. Could that happen for the Tennessee Titans? Well, I don't know because Jake Locker has that hip injury. He should be out for at least three weeks. It could be more, but let's, let's think about this here. We're going to expand a little bit. We're going to look at nine teams with one turnover or fewer through four games. The first eight, well, you had four playoff teams. You had the 96 49ers, the 90 Redskins, the 2008 Giants, the 2010 New York Jets, but you also had four teams that didn't make the playoffs. There's no definitive data, uh, according to our mathletics, that says the Titans will go either way. I think what's going to be the difference is the inevitable regression that's going to happen in terms of the Titans giving away the ball. Can their defense hold up? The defense is taking advantage of having that long field. They're a strong defense through four games. If they can keep it up, the Titans could win the AFC South. Next up, on the flip side, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about them last week, and they still don't have a takeaway for the season. In fact, they're one of just two teams without a takeaway through four games. The only other team, the 2005 Houston Texans, they went 2-14. and 14. Looking back to the data, teams that had one or fewer takeaways through four games, eight in total of the first seven, there was only one team that did better than six and ten, and that was the 2011 Pittsburgh Steelers. They went 12 and four. They were three and one, I believe, through four games. Pittsburgh 0 and four. Yeah, I think we can go with the rest here, expecting to have double-digit losses this season. Next up, the Chiefs at 4-0. How about it? 2-14 last season. The Chiefs joining the 1980 Detroit Lions as the only two teams to be 4-0 after a season of 2-14 or worse since the NFL moved to a 16-game regular season. Well, that Detroit team went 9-7. They actually beat two playoff teams en route to their 4-0 start, but eventually it died down. And interestingly enough, the other 2-14 team in 1979, along with the Lions, the San Francisco 49ers, they began 3-0 in 1980. Bottom line here, we don't have a whole lot of data, but I think as it goes... You know, sometimes the team gets that early boost of a start after a poor season. Eventually, there's going to be some sort of regression. There's there's too much. Uh, there needs to be some elasticity here, yes, but not this much where you go from 2-14 and 14 to 4-0. and 0. Some other team that comes to mind for me, the 2002 Carolina Panthers, who began 3-0 and 0 after 1-15 in 2001. And in fact, if not for a missed 
Short field goal by Shane Graham. There was a chance the Panthers could have went to overtime in Green Bay to try to go to 4-0. What eventually happened for the Carolina Panthers is they went on a losing streak after that midway through the season. Began to regulate themselves a bit, finishing strong. Then in 2003, they ended up making the Super Bowl. But back to that 2002 team, beginning the year 3-0. Uh, they would eventually go on a losing streak that reached eight games, went to three and eight, and then went four and one in their last five games. Now, do I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go on an eight-game losing streak? No. I think they're simply too talented. Alex Smith, too efficient with the ball. He's easily the league's best game manager. And no, game manager, it's not dirty words. It's just a guy who knows how to take care of business with a great running game and a great defense. And, oh, by the way, that's what the Kansas City Chiefs have. However, the Chiefs have defeated the Giants and the Jaguars, two winless teams. Yes, they defeated Dallas, who's decent at 2-2, two and two, but that was at home. Their only other victory against the Eagles, who are 1-3. and three. Still yet without a quality victory for the Chiefs. They can get one Sunday. I think this team's probably more ready for a 500 finish. 10-6 and six and fighting for a playoff spot in the AFC. Moving on now, how about Jimmy Graham and Wes Welker with six touchdown receptions each. Uh, they become the 19th and 20th players in NFL history to do this through four games. Well, I think what this tells you is that obviously these guys are going to finish with strong seasons, but be careful of what you wish for in terms of your fantasy value. The first 18 guys averaged just under 13 touchdowns per receiver for the season. So, bottom line, expect Graham and Welker to double it, but in three times more of the games. They're not going to average a touchdown and a half per game moving forward. And, oh, by the way, there were three guys who finished with fewer than 10 touchdowns among this list. Jimmy Smith in 2000, Mark Duper in 1984, and a shot. In 1979. Finally, look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and for all they've done wrong in a 1 and 3 start, they still know how to do some things right in Chip Kelly's offense. How about rushing for more than six yards per attempt? That's only the fourth time in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era in the NFL. The 2006 Atlanta Falcons, 6.08 yards per attempt through four games. They started 3 and 1, finished 7 and 9. And their overall rushing total pretty good at 5.47. How about the 1999 Carolina Panthers? 1-3, averaging 6 and two-thirds of a yard per attempt. Well, that regressed to 4.28, but they got better. They went from 1-3 to 8-8. Eight and eight. And then finally, the 1998 San Francisco 49ers, perhaps the most regulated team of the trio, started 3-1, finished 12-4. They were at 6.01 yards per attempt through four games, finished at 5.18. What do I expect for the Eagles? Well, obviously, small sample size, too small to know what's up. I just know that they're not going to finish the season averaging more than six rushing yards per attempt. They need to be a little bit more efficient through the air if they want to find a way to get out of this really bad NFC East. It's possible They still have five games left in the division, including Sunday's game against the New York Giants at the Meadowlands, where the Eagles actually play better than at home against the Giants. That, though, concludes your Mathletics from Week 4. 
Get a taste of the CHFF Insider as Adam takes a look at this week's statistical big boards. Next up, it's time to take a look at the big board. We had an extensive look at the Mathletics. This is going to be a little bit quicker. Four things that stand out to me. First things first, the Baltimore Ravens losing at Buffalo. You can't blame anyone but Joe Flacco. An astounding five interceptions for a guy who's been reliable he hasn't always been spectacular, but he's been reliable throughout his career. But five interceptions blows it for the Baltimore Ravens. How about this? A 43.51 defensive real quarterback rating was the best of any loser so far this season through four games. In fact, the nearest defensive real quarterback rating for a loser was the Houston Texans just this past week against the Seattle Seahawks when they had a 579 DQBR. Just to note, there were 24 losers last year at the sub-60 DQBR, only two so far this season, so expect a few more games like this. Expect a few more offenses to blow it. Speaking of blowing it, how about Matt Schaub and the Houston Texans? Three consecutive weeks for Matt Schaub with a pick six. In fact, through the Texans' six interceptions this season, the opponents following 40 yards, 31 points, and the only interception without a score was uh, the Seahawks after their first interception drove 32 yards and had a punt. So for the five scoring drives, a combined eight yards. Schaub and the Texans not allowing their teams to work for it. How about this? Houston with a 3.25 defensive real passing yards per attempt in a loss. That's the worst this season. And for the Texans, they now have four consecutive games with a bendability of 12 yards or worst. Last year, among your bottom four teams in bendability, the Titans, the Lions, and the Eagles each had seven such games. The Raiders, five such games. I think the Texans are going to get better. The question is when. I mean, we can't keep saying they're going to regress in bendability because right now they're just playing stupid old football and well, surprise, surprise, the Texans are 0-4 against the spread this season. Stay away from them. Next up, how about the Monday night football domination of the New Orleans Saints? A dominating game by the Saints, a pass rating differential of 86.58 against the Miami Dolphins. It continues a trend of pass rating efficiency for the Saints. In fact, since the team's last loss back in 2008 at home on Monday Night Football, that's their last loss at home on Monday Night Football, 2008, Week 5 against the Minnesota Vikings. They have offensive pass ratings as a team of 137.81, a perfect rating, 144.50. That was their last one Monday night against the Miami Dolphins. In that first win of a seven-game home winning streak on Monday Night Football, nine games in total, by the way, for the Saints, but the first game of that home winning streak when the Saints defeated the Packers, I believe 51-29. Lance Moore and his only pass had an interception. Drew Brees' pass rating that game, 153.24. Some of the pass rating differentials to look at besides the win against Miami. Week 9, 2012 against the Eagles, plus 55.83. Week 8, 2009 against the Falcons, plus 70.05. 2009, Week 12 against the Patriots. How about this? Plus 102.5. And then Week 12 against those Packers in 2008, plus 78. 
the Saints at home Monday Night Football with Drew Brees and Sean Payton are absolutely unstoppable. And then finally, we close with a question as we look at the big board. Is New England's passing offense finally there? How about this? The Patriots against the Falcons, Sunday Night Football in Atlanta, one of the toughest places to play. They put up a real passing yards per attempt of 10.19. It's the fourth time this season a team has real passing yards per attempt of 10 or greater. Not a better time for the Patriots to get things going than going to Cincinnati next week where the Bengals already have a victory against Aaron Rodgers and crew and stopped his consecutive game streak of one interception or fewer. That was at 43 games. So the Bengals, albeit a disappointing loss on the road last week, they last time at home had a marquee defensive performance, and New England needs to hit that stride, and maybe, just maybe, they're finally there. That concludes your big board. Need help with your prop bets? Adam gives you an inside scoop by review in this week's bets from the king of props. Next up, we close up our week four look back with the king of props and what was his weakest showing so far this season and not really weak. So, a reminder, Cold Hard Football Facts Insider. Just $99 for the season. Check it out. You have all you need to know to help you win against the spread. Have team reports. Have quality stats helping you along the way for prop picks and much more. Again, Cold Hard Football Facts Insider, just $99 for a full year. The Weekly Insider, $9.95. Let's look, though, back to week four for the King of Props. And I had a week start as he decided to choose the 49ers to have under two and a half sacks against the St. Louis Rams. Well, blame the Rams' poor defense. Can't stop anybody. Gave the 49ers the lead. And then after that, the inept Sam Bradford, who has only three wins in his career when his team allows 24 points or more, he took five sacks. The following prop bet by the King of Props, choosing Trent Richardson over 70.5 rushing yards against that poor Jaguars defense. You think it would be good. Well, it ends up on 20 carries. Richardson had just 60 yards. It's a loss for the King of Props. Just to note, though, this Indianapolis Colts team still number one in offensive rush rating. Donald Brown, three carries, 65 yards. I think if I had to make a prop bet on him, I'm going to give him some yards this upcoming week against the Seahawks uh, if it was to be relative to Trent Richardson. Next up, some wins for the king of props. Brian Hoyer going over 230.5 passing yards. He had 269 in the victory against Cincinnati. And then the dominant one, this is when you know a guy does his homework. He chooses the over of 7.5 rushing yards for Ryan Tannehill. 22 yards on the first carry for Tannehill in the game. 48 total. His week 5 picks at least the first one already up on Cold Hard Football Facts Insider. That concludes your King of Props review. Now let's look ahead to see which teams are the best and worst bets for this upcoming week with a preview from the Intelligence Index. Next up, let's take a look at the Intelligence Index. A look ahead to week five as we begin things off with, well, an interesting game for me. Houston at San Francisco. San Francisco getting six and a half points. You have a team in 
Houston that still can't figure out a way how to bend with their defense. Well, it finally happened against Colin Kaepernick and crew. The Texans are 29th in the Intelligence Index, the 49ers 24th. I'm staying away from this game. I don't like it. Uh, I think the 49ers are getting a little bit too much in terms of the spread. I would stay completely clear away from this one. Next up, Carolina at Arizona. Carolina is third. Arizona 21st. And in fact, our Colonel Comey, the man who's running this intelligence index, uh, mentioned how Carolina a bit boosted by the shot they had against the New York Giants, but they did put up a bendability greater than 30 against the Seattle Seahawks. So I, I think in terms of what this defense can do to hold against that poor Arizona offense, I, I still like them. They get two points on the road. I still like them. I think that's, in fact, a lock for the Carolina Panthers, uh, a team that is one and 1-2 and a lot better than the record indicates. Meanwhile, you have the Jets at Atlanta Monday Night Football. The Falcons get nine points. The New York Jets, the only non-losing team in the bottom eight of the Intelligence Index when it comes to playing against the spread. In fact, they're 3-1 against the spread. The bottom eight has five total victories against the spread. That is quite a contrast for the New York Football Jets. Can that finally come to an end? Atlanta at home, 1-3. They've lost close games. In fact, uh, they're 1-3 they're in one-possession games. I think the Falcons finally don't have a one-possession game. I would take the Falcons in this game with the nine points. And then finally, how about the best game of the week according to the Intelligence Index? Seattle and Indianapolis, 2-4. v We'll have more about that later on as we take a look at the six-pack of top games for week five. But next up, for the first time this season, our power rankings, the top six here on Stat Pack. Which players or teams are striving as the season churns on? Let's find out with the six-pack of top performers for this week. Well, here, beginning with now, four weeks complete, we're going to take a look every week at our six-pack of top teams. And for... Week five, we take a look. Number six on our board, the Indianapolis Colts. Now, they probably could be higher if you were to take a look at all the quality stats, but uh, so far, doing against a weak slate of opponents helps when you get to play at home against the Oakland Raiders, helps when you get to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers, not a good start so far this season, so we don't know how impressive that 20-point road victory will be and then a loss to the Miami Dolphins, who at 3-1, and one, they're trying to decide if they're as good as the record says or perhaps just a middling 500-type team. But the Colts, anyway, they're top six because they look good in the quality stats. Third in real quarterback rating differential. Fourth in pass rating differential. And fifth in the relativity index. And really the dominance for the Colts isn't just Andrew Luck, who has... A pass rating over 90. How about this? The Colts are third in the offensive hog index and first in offensive rusher rating. And this is happening with guys running the ball like Donald Brown, Ahmad Bradshaw, and now Trent Richardson. Vic Ballard was lost early in the season. The Colts are still getting the job done. Andrew Luck knows when to run. And that Pep Hamilton offense really doing the job grinding the ball. That was key in their dominant victory against the 49ers, and they'll need it again at home against Seattle this Sunday. Number five in their power rankings, the New England Patriots. 
while they were as of last week, probably looking to make the top three in these inaugural power rankings for 2013, but they're down to number five because their defensive numbers take a hit. They're down to fourth in bendability, ninth in defensive real quarterback rating, and eighth in defensive passer rating, ninth in defensive rusher rating, and overall, they're eighth in relativity index, but they are 4-0, and they have a top 10 defense statistically, with Tom Brady still figuring things out, still waiting to get back Rob Gronkowski. Gronk's going to be back, obviously. Danny Amendola will soon be back as well, helping out that offense. I think the Patriots are just fine right here at number five. Number four, your best defense so far in 2013, the Kansas City Chiefs. First in bendability, first in defensive real passing yards per attempt, first in real uh, quarterback rating for the defense, second in defensive pass rating, second in defensive rusher rating, and that leads to the Chiefs winning the efficiency battle. Second in defensive real quarterback rating, fifth in defensive uh, pass rating differential, and second in rusher rating differential. So second there in real quarterback rating differential, fifth in the passing game, second in the running game. Uh, I, I think overall the Chiefs are just fine at number four. How about number three? This might shock some, maybe even myself, but I put these power rankings together by spitting out some numbers. I try to take away all uh, bias in terms of subjectivity here, trying to keep it uh, strictly objective. I have the Seattle Seahawks at number three, not at number two. But the Seahawks, I mean, come on, I'm looking at... 11 quality stats that I really like where the Seahawks stand. Fifth in scoreability, third in bendability, sixth in real passing yards per attempt, fourth in defensive real passing yards per attempt, third in defensive real quarterback rating, fifth in the defensive hog index, fifth in offensive pass rating, first in defensive pass rating, which leads them to second in pass rating differential, third in the relativity index, third in uh, Russia rating differential, just a dominant team all around. But the number two team for me, the New Orleans Saints, and let me explain it a little bit here. Some of the other the numbers I put together beyond the quality stats, you look at uh, third and fourth down differential. The Seahawks are middling 14th. The Saints are fifth. The defense is doing a better job getting off the field when it's all said and done for the Saints. And you have Drew Brees, who's, look, Russell Wilson He's one of the most efficient quarterbacks already in the league, second year in the league, and the dude just knows how to win. Has yet to have a loss by seven points or more, collegiately, professionally, but Drew Brees is one of those few elite guys, and he is still not yet at the elite level, just like Tom Brady, but the Saints defense is getting the job done, and I give them the nod for now when you look at uh, some of the key plays they're making. And the Saints also have been ahead more. Remember, the Seahawks were down the entire game uh, in the second half against the Texans until late. They were able to tie it on that Richard Sherman pick six. The Seahawks were not ahead for most of the game against the Carolina Panthers back in week one. Yeah, the Saints getting ahead early, getting ahead often, more often than the Seattle Seahawks. So I just give them a little edge right now. I know that's surprising, maybe even for myself, but the Saints, number two. And then number one, obviously, Denver Broncos, 4-0. Look at the things they're first at. Scoreability, real passing yards per attempt, real quarterback rating, offensive pass rating, offensive hog index, 
real quarterback rating differential, relativity index. To me, there's really no question right now, statistically speaking, Denver Broncos are the best team. I just want to see what happens when they go up against some of the elite defenses in the NFL. And until further notice, they're number one on my list. And that concludes your six-pack of top teams. Let's wrap the program with what's best for the week ahead. It's the six-pack of top games for this coming week. Well, now let's close it out with a six-pack of top games for week five. And this is so far my favorite week of the season. Again, five 4-0 teams. All of those teams on the road. Three of them against 3-1 and one teams. Two of them against 2-2 two and two teams who, well, disappointingly lost week four games. We already mentioned the Cincinnati Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys. So I think that this week could be a very memorable one. And not to say I think all four or all five uh, four no teams will lose on the road, but there's a chance for some big upsets with those teams being on the road. Some of the games I'm not even going to mention Detroit, 3 and 1, just missed my six pack of top teams, yet to win in about two decades. In Green Bay at Lambeau Field, they're at Green Bay, a team that's 1-2 and two, and doesn't have a quality win to speak of. Doesn't even have a win against a team that's 500 to speak of. Also not on the list, Houston at San Francisco for the Sunday night football game. Two of the Super Bowl favorites. How are they not on the list? Well, because my number six pick here for the top six games for week five, the Baltimore Ravens. At the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins just missed my six-pack of top teams. The Ravens are, after all, the defending Super Bowl champions. And they're on the road again. You look at this breakdown. This is an interesting one to me because you had Miami have one of the top defenses through three weeks get destroyed by that New Orleans offense in a tough spot on the road for Monday Night Football. Really, I don't think you can get in a much tougher position for a defense. Can they bounce back against the Ravens? They have those passing quality stats in their favor. The Ravens have, though, the third-ranked offensive hog index, while the Dolphins are just 22nd in the offensive hog index, despite a pretty strong rushing attack. They're third in offensive rush rating. The difference here for the Dolphins is they've allowed 18 sacks through four games. So there's a chance the Ravens really exploit a huge matchup and get a road victory. Number five on my list, and the first of these 4-0 road teams, the New England Patriots at the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, the Bengals had that huge win against Green Bay. We don't know how big it's going to be, but I think down the line it's going to be a pretty big victory for the Bengals, especially the way they did it, coming back, forcing turnovers from Aaron Rodgers and crew. However, the Patriots have pretty much the entire advantage in their favor. Not only do they have the quarterback advantage, Tom Brady against Andy Dalton, but as mentioned, the top 10 defense and the quality stats. Cincinnati's defense not playing like that, despite having Geno Atkins leading one of the best front sevens on paper, but they're injured. Michael Johnson has a concussion. Vontae Perfect hasn't practiced for parts of this week, if not all of this week. The Bengals are banged up, and they're not getting the job done consistently. Here's a chance for them to make another statement. Just two weeks ago, they did it against Green Bay. I still have to think this is one of the top games in the league, and I still think the Bengals can win 
the AFC North, but I, I need to see a little bit more consistency. At the beginning of the season, some thought this could be a preview of the AFC Championship game. Not so much right now. Let's see if that turns around. Cincinnati, by the way, favored at home. Interesting to see. That is quite shocking. People are still not believing in the Patriots due to their defense being better than their offense, and I think the experts may need to wake up. Number four on our list, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans were close to the top six, but kind of had to temper the excitement. The Titans might be a top ten team right now, but they don't have Jake Locker for this game, and the Titans will eventually have some turnover regression. They're eventually going to turn the ball over. The Chiefs went three games without a turnover week four against the Giants, albeit in a 31-7 victory, they had three turnovers. So we'll see what happens. A little bit of a tempered excitement for this game, but either the Chiefs are going to be 5-0 and or the Titans are going to be 4-1. and And I think that's something to be excited about, that top-ranked Chiefs defense. The Titans also good defensively. Eighth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Seventh in defensive real quarterback rating. And albeit fifth, 15th, excuse me, in defensive pass rating. Part of that is that they're not creating a whole lot of turnovers. They're 10th, though, in the defensive hog index and 11th in defensive rush rating. A very solid defense. And that game is, of course, in Nashville. Number three on our list, the Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas knows how to make games exciting. I find it hard to believe, to be honest, that Denver is going to blow out Dallas. I know Peyton Manning has been unstoppable, but maybe, just maybe, this is the time the Dallas Cowboys get the job done. I mean, let's go back a little bit here in history. The 2009, the Dallas Cowboys ended up losing at home to the San Diego Chargers in disappointing fashion, uh, giving up a lead, and they ended up losing to the Chargers' final score, 20 to 17. It dropped them to 8 and 5 on the season. The Cowboys at one point had uh, a 10 to, or sorry, no, actually the Cowboys never had a lead in this. I stand corrected. I'm looking at it backwards. It was uh, the Chargers uh, in a 10 10 game grabbing the lead in the fourth quarter, but the Cowboys couldn't make a comeback. Lost 2017. The following game, Saturday night football at New Orleans, 13 and 0 on the season. And the Cowboys get the victory 24-17. They slow down that Saints offense, force them into three turnovers. And despite a late rally by the Saints, 24-3 became 24-17. The Cowboys gave the Saints their first loss of the season. That was the second victory for Tony Romo against a team 8-0 or better. The other team was the Colts back in 2006 when the Cowboys ended up stopping the 9-0 Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning. The Cowboys ended up winning 21 to 14, forcing four turnovers, and the Cowboys got two fourth quarter touchdowns from Marion Barber, overcoming a 14 to 7 deficit. So you have Peyton Manning struggling against the Cowboys. Remember, back in 2010, the Colts lost at home to a Romo-less Cowboys team. Of note, though. That cover two for the Cowboys, struggling with Mo Claiborne, struggling with Bruce Carter, and Manning hasn't lost to Lane to uh, Monty Kiffin, excuse me, hasn't lost to Rod Marinelli. He's three and zero to those teams combined, and he has 
I had a few fourth quarter comebacks against them. I think this game's going to be close. I think Dallas is a sneaky team because they seem to do this. They seem to go against this team they have no chance against and at the least fight to the very end, but get some of those victories as well. And then, of course, they'll end up losing to a middling team, be 8-8, eight and eight, and miss the playoffs. So if things continue to the Dallas Cowboys' track record, expect this game to at least be close, if not the Cowboys pulling off the upset. Number two on our list, the New Orleans Saints at the Chicago Bears. And New Orleans, fresh off that huge Monday night victory going into Chicago, and well, the Chicago Bears have an elite defense against the pass, right? How about wrong? How about this? 31st in defensive real passing yards per attempt, 17th in defensive real quarterback rating, 18th in defensive pass rating. They are, though, third in defensive rusher rating, and they have created the most turnovers in the NFL. So will the real, real Bears defense stand up? Can they get the job done against the Saints, who are top six in all passing efficiency stats so far, whether you look on the offense or defensive side for real passing yards per attempt, real quarterback rating, or passer rating? I mean, this would be big for the Bears to bounce back and get a victory against the Saints. And albeit a pretty big mismatch, I think the Bears and their defense may be due for some regression after being so great last year. Again, that elasticity works the other way. The Chiefs from 2-14 and 14 to 4, and I think they need some bounce back. I think the Bears need some bounce back after their defense really is taking a huge drop right now. Of course, though, number one on our list, the 4-0 Seattle Seahawks at the 3-1 Indianapolis Colts. It's the only matchup among top six teams, and this matchup has a, a lot of interesting factors to it. Seattle, 2-0 so far this season. On the road, both games early start time. The Seahawks making that epic comeback against the Houston Texans after being down 20-3 at the half. Remember their last loss in the East Coast. The NFC Divisional game, the Seahawks mounted a comeback down 23-3, got the lead. Unfortunately, though, for the Seahawks, that Matt Ryan one-minute drill came in at the end uh, to give the Falcons a late victory over the Seahawks in the final seconds. So the Seahawks, they're really starting to get the job done on the road. They're turning the corner, but the Colts, as mentioned, uh, they're very quality in a lot of these stats. Uh, this one's going to be huge. Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, two potential elite quarterbacks in the near future who's going to get the victory. I give the edge to Seattle, albeit uh, a huge road disadvantage. I still worry about them, but I think they're a team I picked to win Super Bowl 48. I still believe in them. I still believe in the Seattle Seahawks. And that closes out your six-pack of top games. That closes out your stat pack here for week five. I mean, it's going to be a fantastic week, everyone. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're glued to the TV like I'll be. And I hope that for the sake of your favorite team, if they're hosting one of those 4-0 teams, that they get a huge marquee victory for the season. Until next weekend, this is Adam Dobrovolsky signing out. Have a great week, everyone. Mm-hmm.